Hey, this is Dali, and you're listening to the Fear the Sword podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Bottom, a Fear the Sword NBA podcast. Talking about, of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I am Chris Manning, the site manager over at Fear the Sword. And joining me today is my co-host on The Bottom. You heard him on our last episode where he talked to Chops about a whole variety of things. It's David Zabok. David, how's it going? Hey, doing good. How are you? Good. So I want to, before we get into the this, the cap stuff, I'm going to clear out two minutes here. Today on March 5th has been the, the day of Brown's NBA type tweets where we don't know what's going on. Odo Beckham Jr. recently tweeted something that very much caught my interest. What are you making of this? Because I am here for the if, – if the, if the NFL acted more like the NBA, I'd be here for it. So this is fun for me. Yeah, I think um, I think that the Browns Twitter people that are alluding to something – you know, we're definitely alluding to Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I don't know if, you know, by the time you're listening to this podcast, like whether or not he will be a Brown or not. Um, what's weird about this situation, I would say, is that normally when players are like dangled like this, it's because they are unhappy with a contract situation or a team is unhappy with a contract situation. Um, Odell sort of has his money, so... Um, for Odell Beckham Jr. to be tweeting um, about being traded. You know, it's not him trying to get out or like, hey, pay me or I want to leave. Odell Beckham's getting paid. Um, So, you know, maybe he's hearing that uh, the Giants are dangling him in in trades. Uh, You know, I don't know. But normally when you would see a player doing something like this, it's an Antonio Brown situation where he's trying to force the organization's hand. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is doing that. Um, And I do think there is interest on Dorsey's part. I mean, um, I I generally don't think wide receivers are that valuable, but if you look at the numbers of how the Giants have performed the last – three years when he's on the field versus when he's not like it is the type of difference that you generally only see quarterbacks make so um it's like a six or seven point difference like 23 points a game when he plays and like 17 points a game when he doesn't so um he's a very very good player um so we'll see it's crazy I'd be fascinated to see how he, in the magnitude of his star power, would work in Cleveland, too, especially when it's a football town. Um, and he's not LeBron where he's going to be, like, real secretive. That would just be interesting. But, okay, let's get into the Cavs. You covered the game for us on Sunday. I was there as well in a capacity you will be able to read about later this week for the sword. It's a story that I'm pretty excited to get out there. But you, that was the first time you were at a game this season in any capacity. First time since... The new paint job is put in the arena. There are some changes there. It's the first time post LeBron, obviously. What was that? What was your vibe of, of what the arena was like for you? What was just sort of your feel in that first game back? It's always kind of, you know, weird, like your first game of the season when you cover it because they have, you know, a room set aside to do, uh, you know, the coach interviews after the game. They, there's a, um, a media workroom. And they always seem to, like, move stuff around, and there's never, like, necessarily a reason why they move stuff around, but it's just sort of whatever is 
convenient for what makes sense in the building, I guess. So, you know, it's always weird to kind of ask where you have to go and all that, even though you've been doing it for a few years. Um, but they do have a really nice media workroom now. It has uh, real seats now. Yeah. Like, it's nice. Um, so that was kind of neat. Um, but um, I think it was my first impression was that it was like sort of a really family friendly environment. It was, it was pretty full. I thought for a Sunday night game, um, mid afternoon, like uh, against, you know, I think the Orlando magic, even if they're playing better are, are probably just like the least interesting team in the NBA. Like, I just don't know, you know, even if they do have, you know, uh, you know, uh, Vucevic, you know, making an all-star game. I don't think, you know, he's drawing, you know, fans or anything like that, but I guess it was some sort of, uh, you know, if you got good grades, you know, you got some sort of discounted tickets, but, um, the fans were into it. It was loud. Um, I think it, it was about as loud, um, as maybe I've seen, you know, during, you know, a couple of first round playoff games over the years, um, the kids were into it that, you know, it was like a fan base, like starved for something to get excited about. And the Cavs like actually gave it to them. They played with like a lot of intensity. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was clear that the Cavs were playing harder than the magic, even though the magic are in a playoff race. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, a couple of things that have changed just that, you know, people lis- listening might find interesting, you know, they have like this Cavs players lounge, like a lounge for the players off the brand new locker room. Um, so it used to be sort of before a game during a me- during, you know, what is media availability, you know, players would hang out there because there was nowhere to go. Now they, now they have this real nice players lounge where the players can kind of hide out so um you know i was talking with you know a Cavs communications guy and you know they have a shoot around that day where they have a media availability they have media availability before the game they have a media availability after the game so that you know there there are plenty of times where you can talk to players um but a lot of times you know not everybody's going to be available at any given time. Um, and, you know, that's actually, you know, a way that the Cavs can get a competitive advantage. You know, if, if you're a player that knows, you know, there's a way to not get hassled or a way to avoid media if you really need to. Um, you know, I think the Cavs are more than happy and maybe they should be, you know, willing to provide that service for their players. So, um, and I think it's an issue around the league too, but um those were kind of the things that jumped out at me, but it was a fun, fun game. And, um, I think the players are, you know, really seem together as well. So what, I mean, what have you noticed this year covering a lot more games than I have? So being there a lot of the time, the arena has gotten, um, a little bit, I think it's become better as the season goes on. They've done more work to it there. It's a little bit more open. Um, you know, they did this big open, I think they have an open house on the sixth and I'm curious to see how it gets received. Um, you know, I think it, the, the discussion about the funding has gone away, which I think the team certainly is, is happy about um, as much as it probably should still be talked about. Um, I, th- I, I, I The players on this thing, like, the locker room A is just better, and I'm very jealous of the fact that, like, they have built-in chargers, like, in the lockers. Um, 
I find that very cool. Like in the past couple of years, they, you know, it's it's the big thing that people have like put a point at the beginning there that where LeBron's locker was last year is now like a towel closet. But like they're like actual lockers now with drawers and like they shut them now. Like it's like organized now instead of just these like old traditional wind lockers. It's very modern. Um, you know, the players on check I get, you know, I, I don't, I, in anecdotally, I've never found that pregame stuff is as, and maybe this is because I don't know some of these guys as well as like a Lloyd or like a McMenamin or something, but like, I've never necessarily found the pregame interviews quite as useful, um, as certain people, like if I can get a guy at practice, if I can get a guy at shooter on or after the game, I tend to find that they work out a little bit better. Pregame is just like, it depends on the guy, but it can be a little bit odd, especially if there's someone who's actually going to play. I agree with you on the family-friendly thing. I think, you know, I, I wish the Cavs, like, the because I'm 90, I wish the volume in the arena was turned down, like, a little bit because it is so loud. Um, I, like, honestly, like, I wear these, like, earplugs when I cover games because I just, like, can't handle. The noise just drives me so crazy that I just need, like, a little bit of silence, and it's still, like, very loud. But I, I think the arena is better. I think it's still a really good environment. Um, I think next year will be really interesting. I had a friend who was there on Saturday who texted me and told me how, like, bad it was, though, when they were really bad. And I can't say, like, when they've had really bad games this year, it can be very depressing in there. Um, and that has come through, obviously, I think, on the Twitter experience of us, like, as a Caps Twitter group watching the game and watching the team. Our, our game threads can be a little bit less alive than they were in the past this year after the sort. So, like... I think there are some like similarities there in the online experience versus the in-game experience, even though the arena is pretty good. And um, I did see a lot of people buying jerseys. I mean, one of the guys I talked to for the story that that I'm have come out this week, like literally, was like amped to buy a Larry Nance Jr. black jersey. So I, there still like is this interest there, but I think there is like a window where they're gonna have to find a way to capture it, and that 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 to me will be the test like next year. You know, if if that sort of vibe is still there. I think like um, there, there. You mentioned the jerseys, so I'll just touch on that real quick, and then we can, we'll talk about some of the other stuff. But like, there's something is to be said, like for Colin Sexton. I think he is like appealing in particular to like kids and young people. Um, like he, he, like he is. Um, I don't even like know how to say this, but like he, he. Is he 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 is always on TV, always talking to the media. He just looks young. He always has the ball in his hands. Um, he, you know, plays with a lot of energy. I think, you know, if I was, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old, like I would be excited about Colin Sexton. And, um, you know, if you ask your dad, well, you know, Dad, who's he? And they say, well, he's the guy they got to, to play point guard to replace Kyrie Irving. Like, I think there are like a lot of kids that can get into a player like Colin Sexton and just hope he sort of lives up to it. Um, so, and, and I think a lot of people have Larry Nance jerseys and should have Larry Nance jerseys. So they do have like some personalities that are, are worth sort of getting excited about in terms of it being a depressing place. I just think there have been so many games where they've been down by 20 points, like in the first half. And, you know, that December period of time, December and into January, when they were, you know, down by 20 at home, like over and over and over and over again, it was like nine out of 10 games that they had, that they were down by 20 in the first half. I mean, that's, that's like wild. And I'm sure I'm getting it wrong, but it, it certainly felt like that. And it was something like that. 
Um, so when they've been losing, they have not always been competitive. And I think Saturday was an example of that. I mean, it was almost like, you know, egregious how, you know, they, they clearly sort of made a decision to try on Sunday night and not try on, <laughs> on Saturday night. So, I mean, and maybe it wouldn't have mattered anyway, but like congrats to the Pistons and sorry about your luck magic because, um, you know, they clearly came ready to play on Sunday, wanted to win. And I don't think you could make a good faith argument that that happened on, on Saturday. No, I, I think you're right about that. Um, I would say like the for me the Sunday had a lot of just moments that I think like if you that conveyed to me really well in the arena a couple that stood out uh, the Jetty Osmond three where he waved Kevin Love off and then like the it forced the magic timeout was like just hilarious to watch because like I was like there's no way he's gonna make this and he stuck it and then like he had that really cool celebration where like he turned back and like th- like celebrated with the putting up the threes with both of his hands and like everyone was just so amped about it. The Larry Nance three he that he let Nance in the fourth quarter I think made uh, made things kind of pop really well, and like it is hilarious to me that like by by like every game I've been to, like I don't have like a scientific data driven reading of this, but the biggest two pops of every game I go to are the first time Deli checks in and when they cross a hundred points and people get free chicken nuggets. Like those are the two reliable like peaks of the game. I put the the chicken nuggets in my story of the game because people were so excited about that um i mean chetty making the the dagger three that put them over a hundred points i mean again i mean it, it reminded me of 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 first round playoff games that Kyrie put on ice you know i did it 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 was bizarre but it was also like cool um i guess so um you know, when you are when you're at a game and a 15 win team is is about to win, you see some funny things. So, but. so this team obviously is being a bit more competent right now. Still losing games. You know, still according to 538's projections, will be have the worst um, net rating in the league at the end of the season. Third worst team in the league, but. This is a group that is just kind of fun and competent-ish right now when there are other teams that are, like, losing to the Suns when they shouldn't be losing to the Suns and, like, the Nuggets are going through their Isaiah Thomas experiment. What has it been for you to just sort of kind of watch this Cavs team, like, be sort of normal for the first time of the year while the rest of the league seems to just be, like, not being able to get out of its own way? Yeah, like, I, I saw one person say the best-case scenario for this year would have just been like Kevin Love just sitting the entire year and making sure that we got like the first overall pick or put us in the best position to get the first overall pick. And then given how they look right now, you know, maybe they can even come back and be competent next year if they kept everyone together. Um, But I think if Kevin Love's sitting out all year, I don't think you could really have the kind of faith or hope that you do right now that they would be competent right I mean I don't think anybody really anticipated Kevin Love to make them this good I mean they have the worst net rating in the league like you said and yet when Kevin Love's been in the lineup I I think they have like a like a they're like outscoring teams by like over two points per 100 possessions which you know puts them in you know a six seven eight seed range um so uh 
I think if you were just, you know, drawing up a, hey, how do we make sure that, you know, we, we put ourselves in good position to win the lottery or to try and win the lottery, uh, but also can start sort of building towards the future, um, you know, Kevin Love coming back in mid-February and making sure that you feel decent uh, about Colin, Lo- Colin Sexton and um, s- start to help Chetty Osman move forward too. We're kind of seeing the best of all worlds. And um, I think the schedule is going to get harder. So I think, I don't think they're really going to mess up the tank. Um, but what's nice is, you know, they can sort of be close to done with the tank. Like they've, they've banked enough losses that they're not really going to take themselves out of that. I don't think so. Um, you could argue the season's gone pretty well. Okay. So what has been the, the funniest thing you've watched, uh, that's not the Cavs that has just been like the, 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 wow, I'm sort of glad I'm not going through this specific thing right now. There's the Cavs have been competent. Well, like, so there's, I guess, two examples. And, like, if I'm a Piston, the, the Pistons are sort of the opposite. It's not, like, a really bad example, but um, the Pistons were looking like, you know, they were going to be anywhere from, like, the 8th to 12th worst team in the league for a while. And a lot of their fans wanted to tank, and then a lot of their fans wanted to, to try and win, um, you know, the, the new lottery rules actually in a, in a weird way sort of like expand that class of teams that are like literally in the middle and like can't get their way out of it. And um, I think a lot of Pistons fans just didn't even know if it was like worth it to win or worth it to lose. They, like d- does the lottery help us? Well, we can keep trying to win because we end up in the lottery. We still have a better shot than we used to. So it's just been kind of like weird watching different teams at different places in the NBA hierarchy, like trying to decide whether they want to tank. And so like the Pistons ended up starting to win some games. So, you know, they spent like two weeks in January trying to decide whether or not they should tank. Um, And then now you see, teams like the Lakers that are kind of like, well, maybe we should tank now. It's like, well, there's like 20 games left in the season or less. That's not really like how you make that decision. Um, and now, of course, they'll probably jump up and get the second pick <laughs> or something because we said that. But like... Twitter just, that day is going to be terrible. I'm just telling yeah, you like... Oh yeah, um, but it's just been bizarre to like see other fans navigate the tanking rules and we're i mean we're doing that too like what's the difference between having the third worst record or the first worst record you know we're trying to figure that out ourselves um and i mean it's just a matter of like reading it but um it's fun to see people sort of weigh where different results will go but everybody else seems to be doing it sort of in reverse versus the calves they've already sort of gotten the tanking out of the way. Now they can mostly win some games without, you know, panicking, I think. What, what to you um, is the thing you're going to watch the rest of the year with the Cavs that is just going to sort of end to then we're, we're going to, we've kind of talked to the tank. We're going to hit on a couple, one small news thing as we get out of here, but what's like the one thing, if you're looking at this last chunk of the season, you're kind of looking to see how the Cavs actually do handle. Well, you brought it up earlier. Like I don't, 
or before we started, I should say, um, I don't know what's going on with Tristan Thompson. That's the uh, new thing. Okay, let's get into it. Um, I think it's weird, but you know, the again, the team really has no incentive to give us more information. Um, I guess. Also, don't uh, Google him right now. Like that will not help you. I've done that like three times, just reflexively to see if I miss something, and uh, yeah, I I haven't. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't do that, you know. But, um, but uh, you know, our, I, 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 I did ask a, you know, one of the Cavs guys, and um, if they thought he would get asked about any of that stuff um, when he comes back, because he, you know, when he's hurt, he's not available to the media, um, and he thought the answer was no. Um, that he would not get asked about that. I wouldn't ask about it because I don't, I don't care. Like I don't, um, you know, it's 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 just weird. Um, I don't watch any of those shows. I think it's a really weird way to make a living, but they make a, a lot more money than I do. So, you know, whatever. But um, I think it is weird. Um, I, I I wonder if it's worth bringing him back at all this year. Um, you know, they right now they seem to have enough in the front court. It's it's I would sort of rather see Marquise Chris, you know, hit some threes and travel and make mistakes, but also, you know, he played like some pretty good defense out of nowhere on Sunday. David, it was very David, strange. I'm just gonna tell I'm just gonna walk it back. <laughs> he's so bad. He is the I mean like he's super athletic. Um I've I I'm not sure I've seen a worse basketball player than Marquise Chris. Like, I'm really, like, and just, like, confused a lot of the times. And he can't set a screen. Like, he legitimately does not know how to set a screen. He's like the kid in high school that's, like, a freshman and sophomore that's six foot nine, and he spent his entire life having everyone tell him that he needs to play basketball, and he tries out for the freshman team, and he makes it because the coach isn't going to cut the six foot nine guy because, hey, by the time he's a senior, maybe I'll be able to teach him how to play basketball. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think he just sort of like has this body. He um, is athletic. He, sh- you know, he plays basketball because he should play basketball, but it, it's not because he knows how to play basketball. So, um, but, you know, he seems like a nice enough guy. I just, um, and he, I mean, sometimes he makes those, those threes, but I, you're right. Like, you know, he had what three travels and stepped out of the bounds and like the first half on Saturday night. I mean, it's, you know, you just want him to play better really, but, um, yeah. fair enough. So Tristan, I don't think it would not shock me if he, it would not shock me if he didn't play, but that would also just seem like very weird. Um, do you just bring him back for like the last 10 games I, 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 mean, I, I mean that's like it's the same question we're gonna see with John Henson because like if you look at the timeline we're sort of seeing floated out there with him and like whatnot it seems like he might be able to play like the last couple games and there are people that like are involved with the Cavs broadcast both on it and on the their digital team that are like hyping the John Henson experience for some reason um like I, I, I'd rather see Ante Zizic, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. Like I would almost rather just see Marquise Chris and like those two guys play 15 minutes a game each to just like get some reps in, right? Like, 
it would not shock me if like John Henson and Tristan, if Tristan for one, I mean, it would not shock me if Tristan for whatever reason has like played his last game with the Cavs, which is like a sad thing, but also like possible. It would also not shock me if John Henson actually never played for the Cavs. And if that's the case, um, please someone send me a John Henson jersey because like that would be a really good relic to own. But like none, neither of those things would really shock me. Um, and they might, it might just be more interesting that way. Yeah. Yeah. And like the team, the team, yeah. I mean, I think I it would it would be weird to me, uh, like to think about Tristan Thompson not being on the team next year. But you're a hundred percent correct. I mean, I, maybe we talked about it, but you know, like if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, your defense is trash, and you're trying to make LeBron happy this summer. Like Tristan Thompson is somebody that I'm calling about, um, particularly if you strike out in free agency. And for that matter, Kevin Love too. So, I mean, I I think I think the Cavs could go in a million different directions this summer. And for that reason, that's I I think if you're looking at moving him, and they should, then I think you want him to come back and play ten games or so um, to show that he's healthy and to show that he can play. Um, but who knows? I, I mean, it's just. It's just weird when you when they act like somebody is game to game, but they've also missed 19 games. Um, so does it matter? Is it better that Marquise Chris gets some some time? Probably, I guess. Um, but I think it'll be interesting. You know, I'm obviously LeBron James and Kyrie Irving were involved, but like anytime Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love have started together or played together at serious minutes, they've been pretty good. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, if, if you get something for those guys, great. But if not, I don't, I don't think you move somebody just to move somebody. No, I think that's right. Um, Dave, we'll wrap it up on this. What is the, what is the thing with the Cavs that you just like don't care about the opposite end of this? Like what's a storyline that maybe you've seen talked about on Cavs Twitter talked about, you know, enough for the sword chats or something that just doesn't interest you for whatever reason. Anything that just you think we should be not spending our time talking about the rest of the year that just isn't worth the effort. Um, my my half answer would be tanking. That uh, is my answer. For I just I just don't really uh, care. I just don't like they're they're bad. They're bad organically. It's not it's not my answer because I think that it it is important that they stay in the bottom three. Um, but, um, I think that at this point, if they really won enough games, because Colin Sexton and Shetty Osman, you know, with Kevin Love's help are like actually playing pretty well, then like, that's not the worst thing in the world. And like, even if those guys aren't the ones causing the wins, like maybe it's Jordan Clarkson and he might actually have some trade value because he's been pretty decent this year. So like... I think, you know, given that anybody can be moved this summer, I think wins now are going to help people's trade value. I think um, it's just good for development. Um, do you need to stay in the bottom three? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, but given that the top three picks have the same exact shot, or that the, given that the top three worst teams all have the same exact shot at a top three pick, the 
the problem being if you're third as opposed to first, you can fall further down. But from what people are telling me that, you know, once you get past John Morant with the second or third pick, or R.J. Hunter with the second or third pick, R.J. Yeah, Barrett. You know, RJ, yeah, sorry. Um, you know, once you get to that four through nine range, they're all fairly similar. Now, again, I don't really even agree with that because I, you still want to be as high as possible to take your guy, but um, or just to have a better asset. But um, I am not going to be upset that all of a sudden we're not going to have the worst record in the NBA, and I think I think people are wasting some energy getting worked up about that. I I would agree with that. I just want to see the season end like competently, basically. I just I think like. Kevin Love minutes with Colin Sexton and Jetty where they've both played better. The data on those lineups is encouraging to me. That is basically like what I care about the rest of the year. And then I just I just think like the for me, I will get super wired into what starts happening with the coaching search. There have been there's been nothing on that front that has sort of been leaked out there. Um the people I've sort of poked around on that with have not necessarily said that like they have not started that in earnest. That to me makes sense, but um I would be very. I just want to see when that kicks up. I would expect it to start right away, and like I think that like between the end of the season, which is like April twelfth ish, to May fourteenth, which is the lottery day, is going to set the tone for the rest of the summer. And that to me almost is more interesting than what we see the rest of the year. Um, the coaching hire and the draft night, are, and who, what pick they get, are going to really set the tone for what happens leading into next season. Absolutely. Uh, do you have anything else that we didn't get to? No, this is fun. All right, everyone, we'll be back. Uh, check out Thick Check Frames. That's really good. Go see Captain Marvel this weekend. I'm very excited about that. I know you and Chops were not, like, excited, but I'm, I'm amped. I'm, give me some Brie Larson. Give me some Sam Jackson. I'm in. I'm there. Yeah, no, we're, I'm going to go on Thursday night, so I'll I'll be there kind of right at the beginning. And um, I've heard I've heard there are some good endgame sort of nods or teasers. There's I've heard, two stinger. Uh, there's two posts. Yeah, I, I heard one of the post ones it will will get people pretty excited, I guess. Um, but you know, like I, I I actually don't even really like my response here because I you know I, I'm I'm excited about this movie in and of itself. I think um, you know I, I I'm not a comic books like person, so I was kind of like looking stuff up on the Crees and the Scrolls today, um, trying to kind of get a, a better feel for that. I I didn't remember that. Ronan, the bad guy from Guardians of the Galaxy, was a Cree. So I'm trying to figure out. Okay, the Skrulls are the bad guys, but I'm not really sure that the Crees are good either. Um, so I'm just kind of, you know, trying to make sense of everything. But um, I think it, it. I'm also a, a big fan of the '90s. This movie's set in the '90s, so I'm looking forward to some of those references too. So, um, yeah, no, I'm pumped. What What do you th- What um, What do you You'll see it this weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna see it Saturday. Um, I am, I am a very big comic book person. Um, I've gone away from superhero comics recently. Like I've been very much into. I read this comic called Black that I really recommend. Um, it is about like what if people, black people, were the only people with super with superpowers. Like it is just like this very like visceral, very good idea. Um, I am reading this. There's a uh, series I'm reading called Deadly Class, which is okay, but the the show's okay as well on sci-fi. It's about like it's like 80s and like counterculture stuff but um i i'm in um i think captain marvel's like a weird character there's like a lot of really bad captain marvel comics especially if you go back to like the 80s when like women were not 
written as like actual characters. Um, That's what I read. I read that. So I've I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard that. But like, there's Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, Captain Marvel stories that are like very very good that I w- I recommend um, that you can go and get to the library. Like I just I got some from the library, read them. The Miss Marvel series that um, came out a couple years ago from G Willow, G. Willow Wilson, which is like this this young Pakistani American girl like gets inspired by Captain Marvel and like is a super has a like, her own like origin story, but like that's also really good. Um, and I think this could like set that up. Reed Larson has like said that, but I, I'm in. I've like. I've I've watched a lot of movies lately that have been like the like the Oscar type movies. Like I don't know if you've seen First Reformed um, with like Ethan Hawke where he like plays a priest and like it's really good. But like I just no, need, yeah, I need like I, a popcorn I, movie right now. I, the, this is I have not seen it, but I read the New Yorker review of it, um, and I I've heard very good things. And I love Ethan Hawke, so I like I need to. I just have not. It's very good, but I like need I need like I need like a popcorn movie where like I'm gonna watch just like bad guys get punched. Yeah, well, I, I'm I mean I think I think you're gonna get that, <laughs> I think I'm gonna get a lot of that uh, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but the Cavs play, uh, you're going to see them play the Nets on Wednesday, then they get the Heat on Friday. We'll have coverage of that after the Sword. For myself, for David Zabok, this has been The Bottom, a For the Sword podcast. We will talk to you again very soon.